So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 361st episode of Cinema PsyOps. This represents 361 consecutive weeks of doing this ridiculous fucking show. I'm your host, Court, the guy whose voice is a little bit worse into Kathleen Turner Overdrive this week, and uh, enjoying that sexy sound of my voice is my co-host, Matt. Just keep going. I'm almost there. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Oh, no. well. Yeah. Not going to happen. Wow. Tease. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what was ever, whatever was going on with my sinuses, allergies, whatever, kind of turned into an infection. And then it kind of moved to my ears. And now I just have all of this pressure everywhere in my skull. And it feels like my head's trying to burst open. It's great. I, I can't get the stuff to drain out of my ears either. God damn. You're, you're on it right now, aren't you? Well, it just reminds me of why I hated having to drive to work every day. Because the yeah. more I'm out and about, the more the air in Nebraska kills me. Fucking hate living I, here, man. I hear you. I like. I definitely hear you. It's uh, woo. It's 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 some nice shit out there. Mine get worse as I've gotten older. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I haven't had this problem in a really, really long time because I haven't had to be outside in a really, really long time. And yeah. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the right amount of stuff in the air. We were talking about it uh, last week or what, but it's yeah. sticking around and it ain't fucking leaving me. So, yay. Welcome <clears throat> to the world we live in. Well, the thing about it that really kind of fucking blows, though, is like everything else feels fine. Like I got plenty of energy and everything's great. It's just that my fucking head hurts so bad and it's pushing like against the nerves that run around my jaw and everything. It's right there in my ear canal and all that pressure yeah. is building up. And if I can't get it to drain, it just, like I said, it feels like my head's going to pop like a balloon. You know, it's just, it's really fucking awful. And I got you. <clears throat> so the rest of me is like, go, 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 go. And my head's like, sit the fuck down and get this drained. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm doing the salt water rinse and all of that kind of stuff. Let's drain that, that bullshit. And, you know, that's yeah. kind of helping, but. Whatever. It is what it is, and I'm fucking suffering, and we've got a show to do, and we're recording early because your life is demanding that we do that. So we're recording on a Saturday morning. I uh, said, no, for the first time, I'm like, for the first time in a long time, I'm having coffee with uh, the morning show here. That doesn't have Kahlua it's delicious. in it. Yeah, right? No kidding. That you would know of. <laughs> that I know of, yeah. Well, as long as you're sober enough to do the show, because we got two movies to do this week. Two movies, yeah. No, I, I was up till two watching one, and then got up at eight something this morning to watch the other one <laughs> and i was gonna get up and do it after my cat max shot but unfortunately that shot didn't go so well he's okay everybody don't worry that's but good every now and then there's some complications like for instance the needle will bend on you if you don't put the cap on right because they're these cheap fucking needles that you have to use because you have to use so many of them and they're mass produced it's the same ones that the vet used yeah know? but just sometimes there's a little bit of extra plastic in the molds for those little protective caps sometimes that catches the needle and sometimes it bends it so sometimes you waste an entire needle and you have to try and get the insulin back out of it if you want to try and save it of course yeah that that sounds like it sucks yeah and when the uh, vial that you're using is at the very very end it's even more difficult to put a bent needle in there and get the insulin back in and then get a brand new needle and get another one back out and it's just a lot of complications a lot of mac yelling at me in cat voice going you promised me food where is my food while i'm doing this? so it's it sounds much like uh the movies we've been watching lately <laughs> Uh, almost. Uh, yeah, there's just minus the creepy kid, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, thank thankfully. Uh, my, my situation's very much just, uh, in the way of the world. I've had to take a part-time job, and, uh, yeah, I, I work nights now, so, or evenings, I guess, but... 
I had to, uh, I have to work Monday nights, uh, for at least these first three weeks. So that's why we're doing it here. But I worked last night and that was, that's a lot of fun hauling a lot of heavy shit around, but <laughs> I should maybe lose some weight. So it could be helpful. <laughs> well, yeah, your job working for the mafia moving bodies sounds like fun. It actually really is. You know, it's really rewarding. You meet a lot of interesting dead people. It's nice. It's real nice. Yeah. I want to just every, let everybody know, like I tried out for this part-time job too, but they wouldn't take me because of my predilection for making connect jokes. They just were too creeped out by me. Yeah, listen, um, they don't mind the murdering as much as they mind the fucking the murdered. All right, so... Well, there's that, and they're afraid it'll leave some DNA evidence. I'll turn state's evidence, and I'm just glad they yeah. didn't murder me after the job interview process went away. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Wait, what? Oh, my, my, lawyers, my lawyers are advising me to tell everyone that this is all just a really bad joke. And how many lawyers do we have again? Currently enough to make it plural. All right. And just like I said in the uh, jams joke that I made that the lawyers got me out of. There's just a few smooth ones. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. So Juwan, right. White Ghost, Black Ghost. Now, apparently yes. these are two separate movies. They were released at the same time simultaneously, mm-hmm. but they weren't played together. And then they got teamed up here when they got released in the States on DVD as a oh. double bill. I think uh, these are definitely uh, direct to video as we call them here in the States, or I think they call them V cinema over there in Japan. These are V cinema versions. They definitely feel like it. They're definitely shot on video, both of them. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, it does seem that way. It takes a bit of a departure, although it still kind of ties into the other timeline a little bit, and it's a little messy, and I'll try and explain it. Yeah, I mean, there's a I there's a murder house, but it's not the same murder house we all know and love. Um, it, It's really all about, it's mainly about how, I don't know, it's about this grudge. It's about, uh, it, it's more about the grudge curse other than focusing on the original family the grudge happened to and the ghost woman and her ghost son uh, after the father killed them those those people are left very they're they're not even in this it's a whole new people but it, it just shows you that if there's enough of a grudge it creates this curse if a being has enough of a grudge when it dies it it has this curse but it's still kind of tied in in a sort of weird way. And like I said, when we're doing the reviews, I'll get into it more because it's going to kind of spoil some of this shit. Yeah. But OK, so it's weird, right? Because you have the curse, the curse two, the grudge, the grudge two, and then black ghost, white ghost. They are part of the same timeline. They actually go together. Sort See, of. I never got that. I, I got that. I felt this was totally separate. So which one did I you watch something. first? I watched uh, black ghost first and then white ghost. OK, well, I did the opposite. I watched white ghost first and then black ghost. And yeah. Because that helps it make a little bit more sense. Does it? No, it doesn't because Black Ghost happens before White Ghost. <laughs> well, for me, it made more sense because the timelines are all skewed anyway. And you know how it jumps yeah. around in time. So I didn't have a problem White, with that. White Ghost is the hardest one for me to follow. And that's the one I watched this morning. And I had to go back so many times. So we'll have fun with that. Okay, well, we'll just do them in the order that you watch them in, since you concur that Black Ghost takes place before White Ghost, yeah. or at least the events of some of the things that happen. And because the timelines jump around, it doesn't matter. And I'm just looking at it right now on Wikipedia, and we know that that's the unimpeachable resource for all knowledge when it comes to films. Of course. And they have it listed as Black Ghost, White Ghost. Yeah. But they're definitely in the same timeline. I mean, it does have that, and we'll go into well, it the, as- the, the Black Ghost and White Ghost is the same timeline. It's the... It- 
it, it's the conti- White Ghost is the continuation of what happened after Black Ghost. It's all horrific. Right. But Black Ghost I, also takes place after Grudge Two, and we will get into that when we actually do the review. I don't want to argue okay, about it. Yeah, I don't I'm, see. I don't see how that is. But I, if I will you present can the evidence. It to me. Uh, yeah, all I will right. present the evidence as we get there. Absolutely. But first, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to hear a special message announcement for our new owner and proprietor, Kevin. We'll have the Legion Patreon ad, and when we come back, we will have a Japanese, hopefully all-female lineup band, if I can get a hold of it, right after this. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin. As many of you probably have heard, Bo will be heading back to school to become a teacher. Congratulations, Bo. As such, I'll be taking over the reins, managing, and spreading the good word of Legion Podcast. To kickstart things off, as an added thank you for patrons in June, Legion plans to have Steam Code giveaways for current Patreon backers. A random person will be picked from the Patreon every other week or twice per month, and the winners can choose from the available Steam Codes. Thank you so much for supporting Legion Podcast. You can reach me on Twitter or the Legion Discord group. My username is at LonelyBob. See you around. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. what band i picked but hopefully it's awesome and everyone liked it i thought i thought it sounded terrific i'm just telling you right now it's my (laughs) new favorite song (laughs) well just in case the folks out there are not enjoying it why don't we not fuck around and we'll go right into juan black ghost what what all right juan black ghost so 
Uh, we see we're outside of a schoolyard, and we, this kid, he's kind of walking away, but he looks over and sees this girl kind of just looking out the window. Then all of a sudden, she screams and, like, hops in the window, and then she gets tossed away. Uh, the kid's like, holy shit. He goes to check on her, and then he runs to get uh, help, and we hear she starts making the death rattle. Then we hear news about a family uh, getting killed, uh, and uh, they're, they're, uh, we hear news about a family uh, murder happening, a whole family getting killed. Uh, uh, and some dudes outside this house, it's not the murder house we remember, it's a completely different house, saying how scary it is. It's almost like he wants to film the inside of it. He seems like a ghost catcher. Nothing really comes to that. Uh, then we cut, and again, both movies are done like this. They're all cut into stories, much like every other Grudge movie has that we've watched so far. So we start with their first movie, Tetsua. Uh, we see a kid, he leaves his apartment. His name is, of course, Tetsua. He sees his, his pretty neighbor coming by. He says hi, but she just says nothing and goes right by him and enters her apartment. That night, as he tries to sleep, he hears her moaning, what it sounds like. Thinking that it's some sort of lover visiting her, he pouts because he was into her, and he throws a pillow at the wall. Then all of a sudden, hard knocks start coming from the wall. Uh, very scary. The next day, he calls his two friends over, and they think maybe, like, they're like, maybe, you know, because he was so scared of it, maybe she's, like, the killer of that family that they all just read about. He needs to leave for work, but they'll stay and see if they can hear it. Also, they're staying uh, because his friend is they, a kinky fuck who wants to fuck in his apartment. Yeah, that too. As he's leaving, he's uh, walking by. He sees her walking up again, says hi, but she just again passes him, enters her apartment, but this time the door stays open. Curious, he walks up to the door, and he sees her kind of s- sitting on the floor. She looks very scared. All of a sudden, a black hand grabs him by his thigh. Uh, back to his apartment. Uh, his buddy's girlfriend hears something, and then there's violent knocking on his wall. Back inside the young woman's apartment, and she's sitting on the floor seeing something terrible. And that's the end of that story. Okay, now, the Juon tie-in on this, I know that the house in question that we're talking about is not the same house. I think it's because they couldn't afford to go back to the same house. I think it's a completely different house, and it's a completely different family from the one from Juon that was just murdered. This all gets wrapped in because we're in a time warp. You ever seen Amityville, The Possession? No. It's the second one, but it actually takes place before the first one. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's going to be shit like this. All right, well, the next story is Yuko. Uh, Nurse Yuko comes in looking for a young woman or a young girl named Fuki. Uh... And we see that this nurse is the neighbor from the previous story. Well, all of a sudden, this young, uh, this small person, uh, the sheet is right behind her, uncovers her, and it's Fuki, and she's laughing, and they're, it's the same girl who passed out at the school. But they're having fun, and haha. As she's getting her ready for, you know, getting her back into bed and stuff, uh, Fuki says something strange. She says, I'm gonna die soon. Well, that creeps out the nurse a little bit. Yuko brings us up to the doctor, and he's like, ah, you know, this, the child getting to that age where they say stuff like that and he tells her to stay with her because they seem to have grown a bond so she can send the mom home and the nurse will stay with her as uh yuko comes out the mom stands up really scared looking drops some shit as she goes to leave for the night uh she's walking past she hears well the death the death rattle sound from fuki's room she goes to check on her and hears it again she lifts up the sheet and she sees something that just frightens her she runs to grab 
grab another nurse. They check Fuki's stomach, but it's all normal. And they're like, ah, it, you must have been seeing things. Well, the nurse goes home, and we see Tetsua says hi to her. She says hi back this time. When she gets into our apartment, she hears loud banging on her wall as well. Uh, the next day, uh, she's kind of nervous. She doesn't really want to, you know, do anything with Fuki. So she tries to pass her off to another nurse, but she, they're all like, no, you have this great relationship with her and you help her so much. Nobody wants the creepy girl. Just take the responsibility. Yeah, I mean, sorry. You drew short straw. All right. This is what happens. Hold for you the shortest straw. So <clears throat> she uh, then goes in to check uh, on Fuki and Fuki's standing on the bed with a sheet over her head again. She's like, oh, you. But then she looks down. And she sees Fuki's actually sleeping. It's something's just standing there. She freaks and falls down. And then all of a sudden what was ever standing there is gone. But now it's under the bread crawling for her. We then cut Right away, back to uh, Yuko's apartment, and we see Tetsui just getting his head bashed into her wall as she's watching. Then, we see the black spirit. It's creepy as hell to look at, and it comes for Yuko, grabbing her in the face, and that's the end of that story. Very short little vignettes here. Um, yeah. So far, my only argument for saying that this is definitely a continuation, besides the fact that it's listed that way as a continuation on Wikipedia, which I, how dare you argue with it? Um, the other thing is, if if it's not from the same timeline, why is Kayoko's death rattle the one that we always hear? Maybe that's what every grudge death rattle is. Yeah, but that's a very specific one to how she specifically died. Uh, is my my interpretation was that it's her crushed throat trying to gasp for breath as she dies. Oh, well, maybe. I mean, maybe. I just, there's no reference to the other family and we never see the original murder house. So unless they're trying to rewrite history and say that the house that that family died in or whatever happened in is now the new murder house or, or was the murder house this whole time. I don't know, but we never see the original house ever again. Well, yes, it does not look the same, but I feel like they are trying to pass it off as because it's been 10 years basically since the original. And yeah, we've been and in even then this murder house is not even well, the staircase is in almost the same spot. It just looks like they drywalled it all off. They got rid of all the traditional looks to things. No, no, the front doors like a long hallway now. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let's back it up here, though. The death rattle, I think, is specific to Kayoko. All right. Okay. That is specifically her mark, just like the meowing cat is specifically Toshio whenever he's coming for somebody, right? Yeah. The reason that they're reusing them here, I can see on your side of it, the argument is they're just reusing it because it represents the curse coming from someone and it's just a shortcut to scare the shit out of you. Yeah. I could see that, absolutely. But again, I still think that it's a continuation and I think the death rattle noises representing all the various other grudges that we're seeing or the whatever is the emanation of the grudge in these films, I think it's still tied to Kayoko because of that death rattle noise. God, maybe. Fuck. Well, we'll get there. Just keep going. We'll get yeah, there. I'm just, right, right, I'm right. presenting evidence as it comes up. Okay. That's all. I got you. And I'm going to refute all your evidence. Oh. All right. It's on Wikipedia. Your argument is invalid. I don't care about Wikipedia. Shit. Did I say that out loud? Sorry, Wikipedia. The next story is Ayano. And this one's really short. We see a young woman. Her name's Ayano. And she's getting a ride, uh, Ayano. And she's getting a ride home with her coworker. Her coworker, he's trying to make the moves on her. She's not into it. So she has the cab drop her off a couple blocks from her house. Smart. Don't let the fucker know exactly where you live. Exactly. As she is walking down a dark alleyway she starts to hear the death rattle uh she gets a phone call she brings out her phone but she drops it as she goes to pick it up she looks underneath her arm and we see the black spirit she has a very scared face and then that 
that's end of that story. That's pretty all just cut and dry there. That's really just feeded into another part of a different story later on. Yeah, I hope you paid attention to how all those wove together because I was always just trying to find the through line for how Kayoko fits into this. That was my mission. <laughs> that was all you were doing? I was just watching the movie for her the movie. <laughs> Okay, next story, Fuki. Uh, we see Fuki uh, is attacked by an unknown force in her class. We go to when she gets passed out, only we get to see what the boy sees when he looks in the window this time, and she's getting jerked around on the floor and everything, all the while making, you know, the, the death rattle noise. Well, her mom gets called in to come pick her up, you know, uh, from school. She's very concerned. They go home, and Dad's already home. And, well, we see it's the dude who is hitting on that Ayano. It's her co-worker. Dad's kind of a scumbag. Uh, we see it's not a very happy marriage. It's not a very happy home. Um, every time the husband, you tell he loves his daughter and he's trying to suggest things to do. Maybe we can go to a steakhouse and she's like, no, we're eating in tonight. Like the mom's like, no, we're eating in tonight. She goes, nothing changes with you. And he's like, what? You can tell it's just not a very happy marriage. Um, <laughs> like most of them. Well, Jesus, except for ours. Then all of a sudden Fuki uh, starts making cat noises that transfers into the death rattle and faints. As her dad goes to check on her, she grabs his hand, and she has great strength now, and her dad can't really get away, and she says, with these hands, you will kill that woman, and then passes out again. They go to the docks, and they decide to do hypnosis. Uh, during the hypnosis, like the original part, she says she's five, she's on a beach with her mom and dad, they're swimming. Then all of a sudden we hear, you know, he's moving more and more in, and the hypnosis person, and all of a sudden the death rattle starts, and she starts convulsing. Mom gets in there, and she looks at her and Fuki then looks at her and says why didn't you give birth to me so anyway that's not creepy uh, at all no not at all uh and then she meets with the doctor who's looking over x-rays and they say they found a cyst and they say they've seen this before and what had happened was Fuki probably had a twin in the womb but Fuki took over that twin uh but the twin's body didn't necessarily go away it just made itself a cyst that has been growing up until now unequal conjoined twins or asymmetrical twins or the more common term, which maybe kind of sounds awful, but parasitic twin. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all of that stuff. Uh, the mom then visits her sister, Mariko. And when Mariko opens up the door, she just, you can tell they're kind of estranged, but the sister knows that this is about Fuki. So, of course, the sister must be somewhat clairvoyant. And that's the end of that story. Woo, yeah, that was a good one. That was a, That was maybe our better, one of the better little uh, mini tales here uh, so far. Yeah, Black Ghost is setting something up for basically a big reveal at the end more than yeah. giving you the spooky collection of souls along the way that we've been used to from the last four films. Yeah, it seems that way. It seems like it's trying to at least make something bigger. It's more like an M. Night Shyamalan kind of deal with this than yeah. anything. Um, because like, it's Pretty really soon we're going to find something. out why they left cups of water, swing away, and water's poison to the ghost. It's going to be something like that. <laughs> Right, the little girl is fucking leaving cups of water everywhere and they have no idea why. And the failed baseball bat guy is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Swing away. <laughs> and all somehow, through all of it, this guy's dead wife in a car accident years before knew that it was going to happen. Oh, and everyone just remember that the entire time that village was, you know, in modern times, they were just trying to hide from it. Yeah, and... 
Um, also, uh, you know, the doctor's dead. He's, yeah, the psychologist has been dead the whole time. The psychologist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis is dead. Um, Mel Gibson gets to do what he's always wanted to do, and that is start preaching horrific, horrible shit. And Joaquin Phoenix gets two smashings with a baseball bat. It's what everybody wants to do in their lives, and they just get to play it out in M. Night Shyamalan movies. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is I get to destroy the entirety of humanity if I'm in an M. Night Shyamalan movie? Probably, yeah. <laughs> That's fair, we can move on. All right, um, and I get to laugh about it. <laughs> so the next story is Yokota. We see dad Yokota, so the dad of uh, Fuki, he goes to visit Ayano. Uh, while he's in an alleyway, he sees a homeless man. And uh, he asks the homeless man, who's kind of a little off, asks if he's seen, uh, asks Yokota if he's seen his mother. She is all black, is what he says. Uh, he says no, and the, he walks away, and he sees the little ghost boy. And he says, no, he hasn't seen him. We have to keep looking and they you know walk away that's toshio that's Toshio. is it toshio though that they do couldn't get the same fact? they couldn't get the same actor i know you can't get the same actor do yeah. we know that's toshio or is that just a little boy spirit now no that's toshio he looks yeah, the I, same I, he's dressed the same he's not upset and he's not collecting souls they're looking for his mother the homeless man who can see him is trying to help him find his mother and what happened at the end of grudge 2 matt the jew on the grudge 2 i can't remember now kayoko was born into this world in a little girl and is no longer in the cursed house the cursed mother shit bag okay the... okay okay now okay. toshio is out looking for his mother with this man who is helping him probably a homeless man that broke into their house and the curses toshio is using him to try and find his mom who has gone into that little girl and disappeared right okay she was supposedly born right yeah and she All supposedly right. pushed her mother down the stairs right yeah yeah okay okay now okay. the mother of the girl in question right now in black ghost that is suffering from these horrific things right yeah is she her biological mother do they ever say that she actually gives birth or is she just an adopted mother yeah, I'm not sure. They never say. Right. My suspicion is the little girl that was supposed to be Kayoko reborn is the little girl that we're watching grow up here because eventually she's going to be found and eventually someone is going to try and uh, put her into a foster care or she's going to get no, adopted. But the, 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 the spirit part doesn't make sense because then uh, there, uh, I am with you on that is Toshio and he's looking for his mom. I think that's part of the only tie-in because Fuki is very normal little girl where we saw the little girl at the end who pushed her mother down and killed her was very much not. That was already Kayoko. All right, I'll give you that. But I think what they were trying to hint at is that that's how it but ties I, it. I think the pregnancy and the death spirit with the little kid's grudge and Kayoko's birth tied this girl to all of it. In and I curse. will also give you this. The house we see where Fuki lives is the house we'll see later on in the next movie as well. That, I think, is supposed to be the murder house and that is probably i don't think it's i think whatever reverberates there what wherever kayoko is she is in human form running around but that house still holds a presence and that's what latched on to the cyst and brought it set in its and there's that grudge it that there's that grudge because it wasn't born i feel that the grudge that we're talking about too though is still tied to aoko's original grudge because she's been somewhat freed from it or at least removed from the house and whatever intelligence whatever uh thought process it had with her whenever her spirit cr crossed over is now gone it's just this unrelenting 
unrelenting force. And I believe that what it's doing is attaching itself to as many souls as it can without actually, like, so that's, it's still Kyoko's curse because that's why we hear her death rattle, but it's claiming new souls and transforming them into her, but yeah, using, that's kind of, using their, that's kind of what I was saying yeah, is yeah, that it's using it's, their, yes, but if you're, if you go into this house and you have any sort of grudge against somebody or anger against somebody, it will, ma- this house will manifest it because of whatever remnants of Kayoko is still there. Even though she's born walking around somewhere outside in the world, whatever remnants is there, it, including Toshio is still there, it's going to manifest itself someplace. And for this particular family, if you know, and we'll notice a, a, a severity, th- a, 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 yeah, I we'll think notice, the, I think the curse will notice a streamlined story house. here that everyone who moves into that house also already has problems. They're not happy families moving into that house. Right. And I already. Also, I also think that it's actually freed from the house altogether to where it's just, it's latching on to people randomly and killing them now because to- Toshio is not even there launching on, latching onto it or, or it's not even like, you know, using Toshio or working through Toshio anymore because he's gone. He's out in the world roaming around with this homeless guy trying to find his mom. So I think the black ghost, white ghost is just essentially the, all of that hate, all of that anger, all the rage, all the horrible things that happened originally to Kayoko is just latching on to all the other horrible things in the world that it can find and spreading that way now because they've been freed from it Possibly. and it's been freed from Except that. for one exception, and but even that exception is that <laughs> it. Uh, because, wait, hold on, because we're completely wrong. Because we're going to find out Maruko, Mariko, who's the sister of Fuji, uh, uh, of, of, of the mom, she's the one who lives in what becomes the murder house. The mom doesn't live there with Fuku, uh, with fucking goddammit. I'm getting really mad. Fuko. Fuko. With Fuki, Fuki, uh, with Fuki and her family don't live in the murder house. Fuki's aunt, who's going to try to help her, she lives in what becomes the murder house even in the next movie. So... I don't know, man. Do you ever think we're trying to look too much into it? No, I. Well, all I'm kind of saying here is that I feel that the way that this these stories are framed is mm-hmm. the grudge that happened in the original movies. Now that Kayoko has been removed from it and born, and now that Toshio is out of the house roaming around, latched to someone he's not killing, it's free. And it's basically just roaming everywhere and latching on to all of these instances that we're about to talk about. Oh. The, the Black Ghost is the first one that we've yeah. kind of seen, and it's this unborn child. But it's basically Kayoko's, the curse from Kayoko found this unborn child's spirit, probably because it was in the same hospital when Fuko was born. Or that could be too. That could be too. And also this. Remember how we said the spirit of Kayoko would wherever like she could kill where somebody who was cursed was and she could kill was kind of expanding? What if, because remember she killed some kids in a school, what if that's the same school where Fukio was attacked? In the same room as the Yeah, the in the same room as yeah. the curse too. So maybe that's how Fuki got it. Just that whatever spirit of Kayoko, because we said she can be in different places where there was an event in that same room, Fukio's sitting there and there's a cyst on there in her head which is like hey it still maybe has feelings or something that there's a grudge that wasn't born and Kayoko attached herself there and that's why she was originally attacked there in that room and that's when it all began for her. Only this isn't the dark half the cyst is not in her head it's actually in her pubis Yeah, it's in her yeah. lower nether regions. Yeah yeah genitals. okay but I meant wherever the cyst is I'm just saying it no it like it, it has a feeling apparently and that's 
just enough for Kayoko to get in there and start this whole fucking thing. Yeah, only it's not Kayoko anymore because she's been freed. It's she's just, been a, but it's, it's, it's just that it's curse. This, it's just it's that, that curse. curse. Yeah. yeah. Now that curse lives in that school, in that room, and it found something it could latch onto. Right. It's become its own supernatural entity that is just seeking out uh, misery to yep. exploit. Absolutely. Well, use Kayoko's death rattle. Yeah. You know, it will attract Toshio. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's why that they're, that's why they're tied off, together. Yeah. That's we've why. done it. All right. Now they are tied together. I totally agree. And that's how. And, all right. And you should never question Wikipedia. We can move on. Never question Wikipedia. <sighs> all right. So anyway, <laughs> that would be fine where we even fucking were. <laughs> Toshio and the homeless man. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they walk away. Uh, uh, Yokota goes to Ayano's door, knocks. No one's there. He tries to put his card in her door. Uh, then the door comes open. He sees that she's kind of sitting there with a blanket over her. Like he sees her face, but she looks very not well. He wanders into the house and he thinks she's just drunk and he's kind of even admonishing her for being drunk. It's like, how much of a dick are you, dude? Anyway, she pushes him down. And as she crisses his face, she starts choking him. And she reiterates the words, with these hands, you will kill the woman. He passes out. Well, later on, he wakes back up. And he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. All of a sudden, he realizes his belt is missing from his pants. Well, he sees it under some sheets on a bed. He grabs it, but it's stuck on something. He pulls the covers, and we see it's around Ayano's neck, and she is very dead. This was the first, like, kind of scare this film did that really kind of worked for me. I really like the way they did this. Yeah. She chokes uh, him out and says, with these hands, yeah. meaning her hands, he will kill the girl. Yeah. Well, then... It even uh, gets worse. This word it scared me. He decides to bury her. He finds a place in the forest, buries her up, covers her all up. And as he tries, goes to leave, he feels something. He turns around and she is completely uncovered. Like he never, she is in the hole. It's like he never covered her up. As he walks over, uh, we see her face is uncovered. She opens up her eyes and she makes the death rattle. And that's the end of that story. Yep. So Kayoko possessed her or the spirit or the grudge thing that formed from Kayoko yep, possessed in that her. Alley. Yeah. And basically used her to kill him. <laughs> Damn, some shit. I don't know what the animosity is other than the way that he belittles her and makes her feel like shit that this happened. Well, and that he was... You know, a married man trying to sleep with her. Well, right. There is also that. But what reason did she have to try and destroy him other than just because he wouldn't leave her alone? Well, and also, she just, she could be like, so she's now touched a family that has now touched the curse. And she kind of maybe has a grudge against him because she's creeped out by him. It sucks. And so it attacks like, hey, I can use her. And uh, to, you know, fucking torture him, which apparently helps her. It helps the curse. The pettiest of grudges are being used in this. I agree. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Wow. That's even creepier, right? I know, right? It will find even the smallest thing. And and it's it's so strong, it can find the smallest. Man, that guy forgot my fries. Bam. Death. Yikes. I wonder what it would use for me. It would probably have a hard time making a decision. Yeah, right? It's like it, it, nothing would happen because the spirit would never know what to do. It's like there's too much. It's, it's sitting there going through the litany of things that it could choose and it tries to figure out which one and it just burns itself out. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, man, I am working this kind of overtime. No one's paying me for this. This thing holds a grudge like a mountain can withstand a light rain. <laughs> All right. So the next story, Mariko. 
So Mariko uh, watches a video of Fuki's hypnosis. Uh, the mom's kind of like, I know, you know, you kind of are really into this thing. You kind of know this stuff, like supernatural stuff. Uh, then we see uh, Mariko's, um, Mariko's young son comes by and she's like, oh, hi. You know, everyone says hi. Well, Mariko says she will help and she goes to the hospital to go see Fuiko. And uh, as she's walking, she's like, she feels, she gets this fright. Uh, she feels something's really off. Then we see Nurse Yuko show up and, you know, everyone, everything's just kind of, everyone's feeling off. And she tells the mom that she will help, but it will be in three days. She'll come back in three days to help. So she spends those days praying and bathing in holy water and hanging prayers. So she's, she's setting herself up for a fight. I thought this might have been that exorcism thing that they were talking about, perhaps like a spirit cleansing. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, well, I think this is to cleanse her soul so that it's clean to go up against whatever's inside, uh, that to go up against this unborn twin that's holding the grudge and causing the problems. Shame that they couldn't, I don't know, get tubular bells for the soundtrack for this. I know, right? As she's getting ready to leave to go help, she looks at her sleeping husband and son. She then goes to Fuki's hospital. Her and the mom start the exorcism uh, to uh, push the twin out. We see a face starts coming out of Fuki's belly, and that's kind of freaky as shit. When the eyes open, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good effect. I mean, for a straight-to-video fucking movie, that's this is not a bad effect. Yeah, I think this is where this Black Ghost movie spent all of its budget was this CG face coming through the stomach, because it was actually one of the most do- well-done effects in the movie. Yeah. Um, then um, Mariko uses a pin, pricks the forehead that's coming out of the belly. Everything seems to just go right back to normal. Um, the belly goes to normal. The face disappears. Uh, so uh, I wonder if that was some kind of a ceremonial dagger kind of thing because it looked more like an ice pick but yeah. like it kind of beveled out like a small blade or letter opener you know at the same time so it's just a little bit more than just a needle but not quite a needle but super yeah. thin for a knife that's why i said ceremonial dagger yeah and then um the next day they're talking and mariko says that this was the curse of the unborn and it's been now removed the unborn soul's been taken away and now it's just Fukio. that night mariko is uh she's asleep and she all of a sudden becomes very awake and she's scared and then all of a sudden her phone starts ringing she goes to pick it up and it's Fukio's voice saying um uh saying i'm coming wait there uh, then we cut to a very empty hospital room. No Fukio in there. The doorbell rings. And then the handle starts jingling. Someone wants in. Then as she's, uh, as Mariko's walking towards the door, she looks behind her and we see a spirit that looks just like Fukio. Then whose ever body comes walking in. And Marquio realizes that she cast out Fukio's spirit and not the, the evil one that was inside. She cast out the good one. Uh, Fuki then comes up and stabs her. She falls down and she looks up upstairs, sees her son, tells her to run before, I'm just going to still call her Fuki, uh, Fukio. Uh, Fukio kills her and then we see outside the house and we hear screams and that's the end of that story. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, the ghost in this is clearly just someone that's painted like a matte black. Yeah. Uh, in some of it, we do kind of see it's like a negative spirit where it is that absence of light kind of animated person that we saw in The Grudge 2 mm-hmm. with the on the ghost on the video and whatnot. But this is where I think that the spirit was able to most effectively link with someone that it can continue doing what yeah. it does. And 
I feel like this is basically how the untethered curse got a hold of the house is through the ant's death with this unborn spirit. I agree. I think you're right. Now, this uh, same thing may possibly be abandoned when something finally does happen in this new location. Mm -hmm. Because we see someone in the next movie that gets kind of transformed into a Kaoko-like emanation. Yeah. All right. Again, it's it's a stretch. I don't know. My my brain is now burnt. It's 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 (laughs) it's all a stretch. But these are supposed to be all in the same like timeline, and this is kind of the only way that I can see that they link up. Because otherwise, they're just probably trying to cash in on folks like us that are going to watch a movie just because it's Juan related. Yeah, I mean that's true. Uh... Because not much else really has anything to do with the original stories. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. None of these two movies have anything to do with the original Juwan stories. Uh, they're all different families. These two movies connect, but they, they don't connect at least story-wise to the other movies we have watched. Yeah, there's visual clues, but that's about it, and that's all you get. So that's why I'm yeah. trying to explain what I think might be going on. But uh, it's never overtly stated in such a way that the other films showed us, like where how characters intertwined or anything like that and how it continued on from the previous movies. Who knew a couple of one-hour hour-long movies were going to fry my brain, right? I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck you. No, for doing this to me. Um, all right. Uh, then we go to the last story, Kiwako. Uh, we see the mom is, that's the mom's name is Kiwako. She's looking after Fuki and she sees a spirit right behind her. That's Fuki's spirit touching her head. And she's kind of realizing things went wrong. Later, she's doing laundry on the roof and sees a sister's shadow behind a, a, a sheet. And she says she is sorry. So she knows things, of course, went badly. So she takes Fuki's body to the roof. She tells, she knows it's the other spirit. She tells that other child that she's sorry. She was never born. She's sorry that all this happened. And that they will end this together now. She picks her up and she throws them both off the roof with each other. As Kiwako lays on the ground dying, she sees the black spirit start strolling on with the death rattle. Roll credits. So this is basically her thinking she is freeing that grudge spirit or, you know, ending all of it. But I think what she just basically did is let it roam around now. It's like Toshio looking for his mama. That's uh, what we're, I think, to believe is the minute she did that, she damned the nurse. She damned the nurse's neighbor. And she damned uh, the husband's co-worker uh, because all of those three murders happened after she threw herself off the roof. It's almost like she freed the spirit to do whatever she wanted. Yeah, she completed the cycle for the curse, basically. Yeah. The exorcism ritual, all it really did was make it to where the latched on Kyoko curse thing is now latched on to this person. And it's and also got rid of the good spirit of Fuki that was inside her own body. That maybe was was kind of at least kind of holding the spirit back. Right. And so now, like you said, it's moving on to everyone that that spirit has already encountered. Yep. And to kill. I, I would imagine that the fucking hospital room that this all took place in for the supposed exorcism is also going to be tainted. And therefore, so is the house because yep. killing the aunt there is the first act of the actual. And, and definitely the, si- the sister's house is now definitely touched by that curse. Right. That's the house I meant. the entire yes. family was just murdered there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. we can. So a lot of new places touched by a, a, a same curse, but a different version of the curse now. 
So now even the curse is starting to evolve. evolve. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, Juan White Ghost. Um, Although the subtitles in the films said Juan Girl in Black and Juan Girl in White, didn't they? Hmm. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, So I think I'm going to go with those titles because it feels significantly less racist. Yeah, right. We're going to take a little break here and then we'll play a little bit of music. Hopefully, once again, I found an all-female lineup Japanese band and we'll go right into Juan the Girl in White right after this. Perhaps we're enjoying this music. I hope everybody's liking it. I'm trying. I'm rocking out. (laughs) I believe in me that I will take the time to still find decent music. I believe in me. I really do. I I believe in you. (laughs) Not as much as I believe in you to do the review for Juwan, the girl in white. (laughs) All right. Juwan, the girl in white. We see uh, a bunch of different scenes. A cab in a street. uh, uh, The outside of a house. Uh, Then we cut to a dude out in the woods and he hangs himself while a cassette is playing. And then uh, we see a bag and a bunch of hair starts growing out of the bag. And we cut to our first story, Fumia. We see a young man, Fumia. He is delivering a Christmas cake to a family. Um... We come to and we see it's the, he's delivering it to Marquillo's old home from the last movie, The Sister, where her family was killed. Well, we, he gets inside and he calls out to anybody. Uh, again, weird stuff is he's knocking and the door just opens on its own with no one there. It, you don't go into that house. I, I don't know why people do things. It seems ridiculous. Well, don't he go is supposed to be delivering a cake there, so he may assume they left it open for him. Maybe, but no one there. I just dropped the cake then. I'd be like, all right, here it is. It's at the front door. See ya. But he still has uh, to get paid for it, though, too. Oh, yeah. You got to get paid. Yeah, I, I, then I just walk away. Anyway, um, we see a woman who keeps peeking around the corner saying she she you know looks around the corner and she just says, hey, I'm, I'm tied up in the moment. I'll be right there. He goes, all right. And then she does it again and then she does it again and he's like uh this is weird then he hears a crash noise in the kitchen he goes in and sees the fridge door open but no one's in there he then hears some water running upstairs he goes upstairs and he sees a sink running he looks at a bathtub and it's all burnt out like someone lit a fire then he uh as he's looking at that we see a little girl cross a hallway behind him he hears it and he walks down the hallway he goes to a room to see a headless girl laying on a bed you know, dead body laying out of bed with no head. And it looks like a very young girl, too, which is yes. pretty horrifying to see. It's horrific. He runs out and he sees then a the woman who is peeking saying, I'm there. Right now she's laying dead in that open fridge. Was stabbed in the back. He turns around and there's a older ghost lady making the death noise. 
And that's the end of that story. The older ghost lady is also holding a basketball and she charges at yes. everyone. Yeah. And she's, yeah, she was holding the basketball. But other than that, that this she lady was very, creepy. She looks very much like Kayoko, only souped up in a much older lady. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is very much more of a Kayoko looking ghostess. Yeah, absolutely. And we can move on. All right. We move on to Kashawa- Kashawagi. Yeah. I, the only reason I'll be happy when uh, the franchise fest is done is uh, I'm fuck all at pronouncing these names um <laughs> i think that's part of the audience's enjoyment it's gotta be i i'm really sorry uh to anyone of uh japanese descent hearing me call out these names because it is just fucking horrific and i'm i apologize <laughs> but to someone who's just like a book smart who's gonna try and correct them just to show how good you are at the pronunciation he doesn't care how you feel yeah i, do, I really don't care how you feel go fuck yourself you pretentious prick he's doing the so best anyway, that he can he just doesn't i'm want to doing the best i can he doesn't want to offend Actually, anyone I culturally i can't even, well, i don't care how you feel uh the book smart person but i will take the lessons because i want to learn <laughs> <laughs> wow weird and also yeah, know, not a very good sound clip i want to yeah. learn <laughs> i want to learn that's the kind of clip that ends up on a kid's show not this shit <laughs> Uh, uh, we see a man, he drops off, he's dropping off his daughter for school in his cab. She's like, uh, drop me off a block down the street. Cause you know, that's just asking to be bullied. Uh, then she grabs her bag and like, there's a gross substance on it, like a sludge. And he said it must have been from his first customer that morning. Later on, he's trying to clean out his back seat, wondering what the hell is this shit, when he gets a call from headquarters. The cops want to see him about his previous ride. He thinks that's weird, and he looks in the rearview mirror and he sees a man sitting in the back. Freaked out, he checks back there, and there's a bag. He opens it up, and he sees a girl's head in there, and all of a sudden, then two hands grab his face. And then we see the cab shot that we saw from the earlier movie just parked on the street, and we hear him screaming, and that's the end of that story. So, uh, so oh, go ahead. The man in the back of his cab is dressed very similar to what we could see of the man that hung himself. Yes. The bag that had the hair growing out of it is the it's bag the that's bag, in the back yep. of the cab. And we see a little girl's face, and we know that a house has a little girl's body with no head. Yeah. You can kind of infer what the movie's trying to tell you from here, and I'm good if we yeah. can. Yeah, you, you, you kind of start putting two and two together that we're seeing broken up stories that are all going to be intertwined here soon yeah the thing that these films are both missing that i will say just before we move on is that the subtext and some of the open to interpretation symbolism that existed in the other films seems to be dropped for just pretty straightforward storytelling and trying to spook you out with ghost stories yeah yeah agreed which i'm fine with i don't i don't have a problem with that it's just a bit of a change of pace yeah but it's still scary. Uh, still good shit. Yeah, this one definitely, already this intro has got me going. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was already, th- by this point, I was already more into this movie than the last one. <laughs> the head in the bag was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the death scenes that the guy saw when he, uh, you know, started to see everything in the house. Well, I was already into it at the very beginning when the woman would kept doing that, you know, I'm tied up in the moment, I'll be right there. That's a dark hallway and you're just like, oh, holy shit, get out of there, man. Yeah, that was freaking enough for me <laughs> yeah that repeating ghost thing was a very classic ghost story i really did dig that yeah. too but the yeah. head in the bag is where i was like all right i'm gonna sit back yeah. and relax yeah yeah this this i'm into this one um so the next story is a cane we see a young a cane as uh, who's a young girl she's uh she's or she's a high school student and she's drawing uh doing some art and she starts to hear voices and we see this is 
I'm pretty sure this is the same room that uh, Fuji was attacked in in the last movie. I believe you. Yeah, I think so. Two classmates come up and they want a favor. They have something that's that probably what I would assume is the Japanese version of a Ouija board. uh, And they want to see if she can contact a celebrity spirits because apparently she has ability. And they do say Ouija Ouija when they're getting ready to talk to it. So I'm pretty sure at least that's what it says in the, in the subtitles. So you, it's safe to infer that it is some type of spirit board. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, are trying to contact dead celebrities. Nothing's happening. They're all touching a, a coin that's supposed to move and nothing's happening. And then they all say, Hey, let's, contact uh, uh, Kane's uh, dead father, because he's dead, right? And Kane's like, uh uh-huh, what the fuck? And the other friend's like, dude, you're kind of a dick. She goes, he's just missing. If you um, read the subtitles, her last name is the same name as the story of the guy that died in the cab, so you yeah. know who it is, even, and who this yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, so um, and the friend's like, he just disappeared from his cab years ago. Uh, well, they try it, and then all of a sudden, shit starts moving. Uh, the board stills Maria, and all of a sudden, uh, Kane sees a little girl standing there. She freaks out. Later on, one of the friends is leaving school, and she hears something in the bathroom. Uh, well, it's not a Kane. It's one of her friends who was doing this with her. Well, she goes into the bathroom, and there's Ghost Lady with her basketball, and that's the end of that story. Again, she just charges at people like she's going to yep. hand them a basketball, and she looks fucking creepy, but she has a Kayoko-like hairstyle and is wearing the white dress as well. They just basically ghost up her face with CG. It's yeah. fucking creepy, but I get annoyed with her just running at people with a basketball. It kind of takes yeah, me out cause of I'm like, because I'm like, come on, Grandma. Fucking post up. Shoot the tray. Jesus Christ. We playing come pig on. or horse here lady you know what i prefer a cab <laughs> i'm like god damn get behind that three-point line and you post it up god damn it and by the way set your fucking screen your fucking feet are moving all the time you're gonna get a foul called <laughs> i don't know what any of that means let's move on <laughs> anybody who knows basketball is like yeah fuck it play some d so march madness shut up court <laughs> <laughs> you tried. I'm proud. Um, let's see, here. I was actually mocking you, but okay. Fucking asshole. Okay, I go back. Fuck off, court. <laughs> <laughs> that's next that's story. better. We can deal with each other on that level much easier. That's true. Uh, the next story is Isobi. Um, well. We see a new family is moving into our new murder house. The you know the 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 the, the sisters from the last movie's house, Aunt's death house. Yeah, and it's called the Asobi uh, family. As they're all checking it out, and we see it's a large family. It seems not blended, but it seems to be a very strange dynamic family. The the husband's older than his wife. Uh, we are to see that this is a stepmother to his two adult children. We don't know how the younger daughter, Miera, we find out her name is, fits into all of this, uh, whose daughter she is. We'll discover that later. But we can see she's probably a second wife to him. Uh, but they're all checking out the house. Uh, while the wife is checking out the kitchen, she opens up an oven and she gets seeds. There's a picture in there of Mariko's family, Mariko and her husband or child. Um, we see, uh, as Mira is playing with her grandmother, or what we'll come to find out is her great-grandmother. Uh, her uncle, the sushi, is watching them, uh, you know, just watching them play. He's like, oh, well, this is, this is nice. You know, everyone's having a fun time. The wife and this other lady, they're talking about how cheap the house was. And the other lady says to the wife, well, maybe something happened in there. 
And then there's silence, and she goes, you got to take a joke. I'm just joking. She does um, say maybe somebody died, is what she does say. Yeah. And then she tries to calm her friend down because it really rang a little too true. Well, we're about to find out it's not really a friend either. Okay. <laughs> but yes, the, the two women, the one who's making the joke tries to calm the wife down. Yes, like a person who cares about hurting the feelings of the other person around them. Yeah. Maybe. Or just this wife seems particularly high strung and we'll see why later because fuck, we can't get a normal family into any murder houses these days. Um <laughs> That's why they're murder houses, my man. I guess, right? Uh Anyway, as the uncle again is watching his niece and uh, uh, the older lady play, he senses something. We see something walk down the hallway behind him, and he senses it. He looks. He goes to follow, and he finds in a room a covered mirror. He pulls off the covering, and his reflection grabs him. This stuns him. His niece, Mira, walks in and says if he's okay. And he just looks and wanders past her without saying a word. His image is still in the mirror. That's the end of that story. Okay, so Amityville to the possession. That's what we have in this film. Yeah. I don't know what that means because I've never seen it. Uh, so uh, basically a family moves into a house because it's cheap. It has some kind of an evil presence in it and it slowly takes over the oldest son. And it's also a nice house for cheap because, you know, if it's a shit house, that explains why it's cheap. These, this is, uh, you know, a nice houses that shouldn't be this cheap. Right. And so the evil takes over the son. Yeah. And the son then starts perpetuating even more evil to help said evil that's present in the house. Mm-hmm. And you feel Bro. bad for this son because he seems like a good person who enjoys his family and this spirit just drags him down. As they actually do state that he changes once they move into the house. And you yeah. see it here. I think the mirror swap is whatever evil spirit was left there, it used this guy. Yeah. And and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And swapped him out there and now his soul is gone and it's using his body. That's why I'm saying it's Amityville to the possession. I got you. Um so in all the horribleness, uh oh. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you have any? I was going to go on. No, Do you have I was anything done. else yeah, to All right. Uh, the next story is called Chihio. We see a young lady. Her name's Chihio, and she goes to check on her boyfriend, and we see her boyfriend's Fumai. He's the one who found all the dead bodies delivering the cake. He, t- She takes him home, and they're trying to celebrate Christmas. She's trying to get him out of his funk, but he he's haunted by all the things he saw, and he remembers seeing, like, the young girl's headless body and all that. Perhaps... Trying to celebrate a holiday you were delivering a cake for with a cake when you just witnessed a death is not the best way to recuperate from the things that you've seen. Yeah, right? It's might, uh, might, might be uh, bad. Yeah, you um, were the witness to the aftermath of multiple homicide of a family delivering a Christmas cake while dressed like Santa Claus. You also kind of saw a ghost charging at you as far as you know. Yeah, pretty holding sure. a basketball, and you're like, that is fucking... I mean, the ghost part's already scary enough, but that's fucking just random shit right there. Yeah, the ghost is all like, hey, y'all seen Deadly Friend? <laughs> the, go- the ghost is like, go... The ghost is like, post up, bitch. Let's go. One-on-one, you and me. You make a sports joke, I make a joke to a Wes Craven film that people wish they never saw. Oh, well, hey, look. We're, Except we're, for me, I enjoy you, that film. Baby. We're giving it... We're giving everybody a little bit of what they can enjoy. People who have seen Deadly Friend get what I'm doing there, and we can move on. All right. Uh, So, uh, 
she she goes to comfort him, and he's like, I, I should wash up. And she goes, that's fine. She kisses him. And after he brings his face back from hers, it's the white ghost. Uh, and she's, you know, holds the basketball. And then all of a sudden she's gone. But then he sees the basketball by a door. We see her hand grabbing the basketball. Then all of a sudden it cut, she comes, she charges after him again. And then all of a sudden we cut to, we see Chio. She's standing there with a knife in her neck. He can't believe it. He's freaking out. He lays her down, grabs the knife, and starts stabbing her over and over again. And that ends that story. So Jesus. the spirits are now controlling people and forcing them to kill people they care about basically yeah or this grudge curse thing is using people that have died and the method that they have died in to force other people to kill something or just fucking people up so completely that they're just doing whatever they do well i think that maybe the method of someone's death maybe gets transferred over from this curse and that's what happened there that's a possibility like it just forced him to like it's basically a possession killing essentially yeah. where the, he can't control the body and maybe he'll come back from this and maybe he'll come to or maybe he kills himself immediately afterward but that seems to be what's going mm -hmm. on here we'll never know what happens to him because this is the last time you see him it's it's part of the story that's kind of left untied, but you, and that's almost even more horrific. We don't know what happens to him at this. He may be just stumbling out in the world right now, just murdering people. I also think there's a time shift in this because when he first goes into the house, he sees a repeating of what the last moments of that woman's life. Yeah. Then well, the bodies are completely gone, but the aftermath of their deaths are still there as if the house is vacant. And well, I then think, he comes back and sees all the bodies. Well, I think what happens is, um, I think what happens is he actually enters the house, and we'll see this uh, right after the killer leaves. The you know the man who does all the murdering. Right after he leaves, he that's when he goes to deliver the cake. And I think it's just the spirit being able to alter reality, removing all the bodies because like the fridge is still opened where. The mom's body or the wife's body falls into. He, he just makes it seem like everything's removed until they have him properly in the house. And then it shows him all the horrors that are actually in there. Because that's why he's with cops later. It's because he found those bodies. He had to report it. Right. Where I'm at the idea of, remember, we've seen in this series already that we're clearly continuing on. Or we've said we are definitely continuing on. That whenever the curse strikes... If you get caught up in the curse, you move around in time and you're conscious of things that are happening before they actually happen to you. Like we saw some people that were repeating that whenever they get taken. And my thought is when he was in the house and he was waiting and he kept seeing her loop and repeating, he at some point in time was then in the house just basically after the bodies were all removed. But, you know, the crime scene was left as is, you know. Uh, it just, just maybe. I, I mean, it's it's. Did it did it make it to where he couldn't see the bodies the first time until he found the little girl, or did yeah. he make it to where did it did the curse make it to where it was a different point in time, and this is just the house and the state without the bodies there because that's kind of what you get before the curse comes for you in the other films. It doesn't really matter what the point is, but that's basically what happened: is the evil made it look like at first there were no bodies, then all the bodies were there, then he got attacked, but he got survived. He survived long enough to bring other victims into. To this new house which would be all of the cops and therefore once he leaves he's able to go ahead and live for just long enough before the spirit comes to take him and forces him to kill his girl yeah does he disappear after this like you said we don't know because he does disappear after this in the film we never see what happens to him and it's safe to assume that he gets taken too <laughs> yeah something yeah obviously something bad happens to him whether he is 
now, um, you know, just going around killing people at the whim of the spirit or dies himself, whatever. But let's just say he's not having a happy time. Well, and also the lady who was strangled by her would-be pursuer lover guy that was a married man, right? Yeah. She came for him after he tried to get rid of the body. So even if he tries to get rid of the body or even if he reports it to the cops and gets taken away, I'm pretty sure that her spirit's coming back for him either way, too. Yeah, that could be, yeah. All right. So the next story is Miuri. We see a cane, uh, the teenager, is walking past the murder house, and she has a memory. And all of a sudden, we see Mirari uh, from earlier. The little girl pops up, and now a cane is young again. Um, she visits her friend, Miari, and she has been sick for a while. She's starting to feel better and wants to give back a stuffed bear that a cane had given her. But a cane says, no, you keep it until you are 100% better. And then, all of a sudden, Grandma comes out with a basketball, and Mary tells her, you know, you're not supposed to have that, and takes it. And a cane introduces herself, but Granny just stares her down and walks past her. The girls talk more, and Mary is not having the best times. Uh, she is being abused by her uncle, and, like, when she'll take baths, her underwear will go missing. Uh, she can't tell anybody, because uh, Kane asks, do you tell your mom, anybody? She goes, I can't tell anyone because of our living situation. We all live together. It's heavily implied that it is molestation. Yes, heavily. It's heavily also implied that it's incestuous rape. Yes, Big time. We see the uncle upstairs. He's listening to something. Then all of a sudden he comes down and he's almost like in that trance mode. He tells the cane it's time to leave. Literally grabs her by the arm and throws her out of the house. And then throws her bags out of the house. And I'm at this point like uh, I would kill a motherfucker. Uh, He then drags Miari up the stairs. As she screams for grandma. We just see granny sitting there in front of a mirror putting on a wig. The uncle gets Mary upstairs. Uh, she looks out the window. We see a cane is walking out. She looks out the window. Her friend's screaming for help, but a cane really can't do anything. And then the uncle closes the shades. Uncle starts to get real fucking rapey, real bad. Then grandma comes in uh, and makes him touch her breasts. And that kind of freaks him out, almost snaps him too. And he's like, what the hell's going on? She lays down on the bed. All the while, downstairs, the ghost boy Toshio is looking at a toy dog, making meow noises. And that's the end of that story. And it is horrific. That is hard to watch. That's a hard watch. They thankfully do it tastefully enough to where it's just implied because of the familiar and very uncomfortable way the uncle is touchy-touchy with her after he gets violent about getting the friend out so he can do what he wants to do. And then the shit with the grandma is very clearly what appears to be a woman with dementia saying, if you have to do it, do it with me. Leave her alone. Yeah. She's, She's trying to do whatever she can to help but she's very limited in her capabilities. And also grandma might have a bit of the spirit in her as well, being that she has these type of things, you know? Yeah, it could be the version of Kayoko's lust for uh, the doctor or the yeah. teacher that uh, something similar to that, like that level of obsession-possessed grandma. whatever it takes to uh, further degrade someone who they have, you know, uh, who they've invaded. Uh, because push all, him, by all accounts and purposes, yeah, to yeah, all accounts and purposes, uncle was not a child molester. 
to start out with. It sounded like he was a good person and the bean this, turned him into this. The grudge curse thing turned him into it. Yeah. I think what it's trying to do is replicate so perfectly what it had before and get a mm-hmm. anchor point house and misery to not necessarily start again, but to grow its presence from here. Because I'm sure anybody that goes into Kayoko's house is still going to die. And once again, evolve. Yeah. It's evolving into a whole different thing. Kayoko, there was no sexual abuse uh, of a child. That we know It's of. evolving to include other horrible things. Yeah, or it's just that this is how the uncle responds to it because it's the darkness that's already within him that it's just pushing. Oh him yeah, I, I, you know you don't want to think like that. I mean, it is a possibility. Uh, I, I went with it as in the term "creepy even, uncle" comes from somewhere. Therefore, I know I like to go with it him. almost a more tragic sense that the uncle was a good man and he got changed into this. By it, it almost makes it like if he was already creepy and shit, and this just made him more bolden. That's not as tragic because the uncle was already a bad guy. Uh, but if he's a good person and now he's doing this, it's almost a corruption of his soul. Maybe his soul's still trapped inside his body, wondering what the hell is he doing, and he has to suffer through this as well. And it, I don't know. I guess I went with the more tragic version of that. Well, the same could be said in Amityville too. The possession when the older brother starts convincing his younger sister to have sex with him and they basically get naked in front of him. <laughs> oh, I never saw that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Shit. But it's somewhat consensual, but it's also pretty coerced. And he's like, you know of age, like 18 or 19, and she's supposed to be like a couple years younger than him. And the on-screen nudity that happens with that scenario is even more uncomfortable. And Mm. then the implied sexual relationship. So watching Amityville 2, The Possession is real squirmy. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, and this scene definitely emulates that squirminess for sure. So if you don't want to feel what you felt here and worse, don't ever watch Amityville 2, The Possession. All right, I, I, I can stay away from that. That's fine. All right, we can move on. All right, the next story is Yashokuwa. Um, a young detective is putting evidence away when a tape falls out of a folder. It starts playing on the floor. Later, an older detective walks in, and we see the young detective just standing there staring at the tape on the table. He hears what's being played, and the tape just says, I'll be there. I'll be there. Over and over again. And the older detective grabs the tape and smashes it. This snaps the younger detective, too. On the roof, they talk about a case where that tape was from. It was a family murder seven years beforehand. The person who did the killings then killed himself while making that tape. He says one other cop transcribed the tape and then hung himself after he did so. And then as he walks away, the undetective asks what he's going to do. He says he's going to light the tape on fire. And the undetective says, why? I mean, is there, do you really need to do that? And he says, I have to. He goes, because I've already thrown it away seven years ago. I threw it off a mountain. It shouldn't be here. And then he tells the younger cop to stay out of it. So, of course, the younger cop doesn't stay out of it. It's almost like a narrator would have been like, he didn't stay out of it. Especially if it was younger, in Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll stay, out, stay of out of it. He didn't. He didn't stay out of it. Because <laughs> younger cops can never stay out of it. Um, the young detective <laughs> cap, goes, that's why. <laughs> the younger detective starts going through all the information from that file. And then all of a sudden, something falls out. It is, again, the same tape. And it starts playing. This time, we hear a young woman's voice saying, come quickly. 
And that ends that story. It's definitely a little girl's voice. Yes, it's definitely a little. And you're just like, holy shit, dude. What part of why weren't you listening to anybody else didn't you understand? <laughs> well, it's not like he grabbed the tape and put it in a tape player this time. It just played on its own, laying there, just animating yeah, but, itself, which is really But if he didn't creepy. go through the files, he probably wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> if he would have just turned around and left? No, I think the tape would have found him either way. I think he was already marked, my man. You think he was marked when he first started listening to it? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he's marked through the older detective ah sucks for him i guess i don't know <laughs> how does that older detective get to live so long i don't know other than it just depends upon when he got marked on the cycle and we're accelerating things so therefore the kid's dying faster yeah right sounds like it but jesus christ but also the transcriptionist listened to the entirety of the tape and what we now know is he's listened to more than enough of the tape that the tape essentially just finished itself to take him yeah no. Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That was a creepy scene, seeing the play- tape play by itself. That was really cool. Yeah, I don't know how they animated that. I was thinking maybe magnets or something, or maybe it was just the tape was mounted and underneath the reels were like a mechanism that spun the reels. Yeah. And that's just what made it work, but it was very cool, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That was cool. All right. Well, then we come to the next story, uh, and it's the final story at Sushia. Uh, we cut to the Isobi home. And we see the young wife and her older husband, and he's mad because the son can't pass a certain test he's kept trying to take. He says it's embarrassing. The daughter, uh, the older daughter, who we saw who was talking to the young wife, she talks to, she, first she says to the young wife, she goes, why do you care? He's not your real son. And so you can tell she's kind of a bitch. And then the, the sister, the, the father says this is all humiliating. The sister goes, what will everyone think? Then the father says, well, you're no better coming back home uh, pregnant with a child at 16. And then we cut to, uh, uh, Miro's, uh, uh, Mira's room and we see that she's actually the daughter of the daughter and she fully hears them talking. You know, do you think I wanted a baby? I didn't want it. You know, the mom says, she goes, I, I had other plans in my life. And the father says, why didn't you get rid of it? And she says, I tried to. You know, I wanted to get rid of it, too. So she's pretty much hearing that the entire family wanted her to have an abortion. You know, wanted her to be aborted. Yeah, that, they wish that, she didn't fucking exist. So where do you think yeah. the grudge is really coming from? Yeah, right. That's uh, that's some that's some hefty shit. Yeah, everybody um, has a grudge against this little girl for just fucking existing. As if, you know, abortion is not health care or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's almost, it's real weird. Um. So anyway, uh. Then grandma comes in, tries to give a basketball to the new wife, and the young wife says no thanks and pushes her away. Uh, then, uh, we see the uncle, the, the son, he's listening to these tapes, and he starts hearing voices in the tapes. And, uh, it, the voices that same little girl saying, hurry quick, I'm scared, come quick. And he gets up and he's freaked out, and he looks in the mirror, sees his reflection, it's that constant stare. All of a sudden, later on, he walks into his father's room while he's in bed and hits him in the head with a pipe, killing him. That was actually kind of brutal for being dark, especially the way the dad popped up and just kind of fucking fell to the ground or fell onto the bed. Yeah, I don't know if that was a pipe or a baseball bat. I couldn't really tell. It looked like a Little League type baseball bat, but it sounded like baseball bat when it hit either way. Yeah. That was fucking Uh, brutal. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then we see the grandma. She's like putting on like almost Joker style lipstick here at this point. And uh, he comes up behind her and chokes her out with a rope, killing her. The sister is watching TV, hears a thud, and calls out to the new stepmom 
that, hey, you, she needs help. We see the stepmom's trying to have a cigarette in the kitchen. She leans out, and we see this is where this echo comes from. She goes, I'm tied up at the moment. I'll be right there. Um, the son walks into the kitchen, and the stepmom's like, hey, once are you hungry? Let me make some food. Opens up the fridge. The son stabs her in the back, killing her. He then comes over to the sis, beats the shit out of her, throws her into the bathtub, pours gasoline on her, and lights her on fire, burning her alive until she dies. That was um, pretty horrific, but I'm glad we didn't horrific. have to see all of it, you know. Right. But you're starting to see all the scenes that the delivery boy found. Yes. Um, you know how they died from the aftermath yeah. without the bodies, which is actually really smart how they filmed how they yeah. filmed it, really. Then he breaks into Maria, uh, Maria, uh, Maria's room, lays her on the bed, straddles her. And then saws her head off. It's like a saw sound, right? Yeah, I'm, it's I'm supposed to be like a machete or some shit. But yes, yeah. he's sawing her head off. I don't know how that works, but that's what they did. Yeah, but it was still bad. Um, it was pretty intense. It was well done with the sound effects and the squishiness and the grossness. But it was so horrific and over the top that, yes, I can see where you would frame the words bad. Yeah. Um, so then he orders a cab. We see it's the, the cab. You know, the, the driver, uh, a Kane's father picks him up. As they're driving, you know, he's trying to talk to him and he's just staring out the window in the same way where Kane's father sees him later in that we mirror. We do see him put her head in the bag, though. That's right. We do see that. Yeah. And then we see the, him the, carrying the bag when he gets picked the, up. And, the, but and that, the bag is leaking that sludge as they're driving. Yeah. And that was a really bad effect. That slime didn't look great coming out. No, it didn't. Then as they're sitting there, we see the delivery boy drive past who's heading to his house right now to deliver that cake. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Goes out into the woods and he's playing that tape and he's getting ready to hang himself when he hear that girl's voice saying, hurry, hurry, are you coming? I'm scared. And that's when he starts saying, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then he hangs himself. We cut to the present day and a cane gets home. And as she's at home, she sees the ghost of a young Mariah there. She starts saying sorry as she feels guilt she never helped her when her friend was being molested. And she kept saying sorry and sorry all over. However, the ghost does nothing but give her the small bear, signifying that she's well now. Maybe everything's kind of done. Roll credits. dark bittersweet ending really yeah that, yeah oh man <laughs> i'm not all sure the guilt how to that take a cane it. has to hold for knowing what her friend went through and yeah that happening yeah and it takes until a cane is nearly a teenager for it to clear out and be fine yeah jesus mm, not good not good <laughs> sad i'm actually kind of glad that even though akane took the car ride immediately after that because she wasn't in the car with the uncle that was about to die that caused all of this mm -hmm. in the film or at least you know that the grudge really latched onto and used to recreate itself in some way shape or form or evolve or whatever all the stuff that we've been talking about i'm glad that it kind of passed over her or at least it seems that it has so far because well, the bear I, is definitely be, symbolic of it being over her it Akane. could be also maria's spirit protecting her maybe that young girl's spirit's strong enough in the afterlife to protect her friend like fuck that you're not getting to my friend even though you've she's been touched by all this because her hand was in the sludge and everything she's like nah you ain't you ain't messing with my friend though at least that's my hopeful thought or to end on a little hopeful note or her embarrassment and disgust at her father and what he did for a living as a little girl was used to kill her father yeah something and, I, I don't know and that's how she's marked now oh god jesus <laughs> you know way, way to bring us down yeah it you know that's the grudge man there's no nobody's ever really safe you know it's gonna that's get true. to the world eventually it never it never ends happy 
Let's <laughs> right. And I love where the uncle kills himself is probably going to become a suicide forest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Definitely. Well, like, more like a suicide there. grove. Cause there wasn't a lot of trees, but there was enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, both films, not that great, but also not that awful. They were a watch, you know, uh, yeah. I think you could probably skip them both unless you are a hundred percent a completist. I don't think you really need to go out of your way to watch them. No, this doesn't add anything really new to the grudge story the 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 curse story not really yeah and it recycles um, a fucking lot too yeah yeah it's it's it, it can be a fun time if you you've got the time if you don't you can you can leave them aside but yeah unless you're a completist then yeah you're, you're definitely gonna need to watch them you can watch them both in about two hours give or take um yep. they're not horrible you know no. but you know the, uh, again, two hours the first you could watch one, something that would be way more entertaining like the first two movies yeah and again, the first one is, uh, I don't know, a little, and it goes fine. I, I just, the story wasn't as scary to me. Um, it was a lot more disjointed and it didn't fit yeah. together as well as what the White second does. one white, the fit together. White. Yeah. And the second one fit together so well. Uh, everything was really good, especially the last story, how it tied everything together. I thought it was creepier, and then I thought the story was much more horrific. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm glad we reviewed them in the way that we did, and I'm still yeah. glad I watched the one that I watched, because I don't know if I could have sat through and given the girl in white the due that it deserved had I watched yeah. the girl in black first. <laughs> well, that's probably not all that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that you were able to rally and be like, oh, no, this is much better the way that you watched yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You got to rally and all that shit. So we're all right. <laughs> all right. Well, we've gone more than a long enough. I kind of figured that we would. So we're going to skip the news for this week. Is there anything else you have to say about either of these two films? I got nothing else. All right. So we're going to take the break here. We're going to play the Ending Legion promo. And immediately following that, we will have some song that I hope is totally banging, also featuring an all-female lineup and also, I hope, Japanese. I believe in you. We'll find out if I succeeded, whether or not I did right after this. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
So I guess I did okay. Um, I you did perfect. It was great. I'll try to believe in myself as best I can. Believe in yourself. <laughs> I believe in myself and bringing up my show housekeeping notes, which I normally have memorized, but I like to have them here just in case I get lost, so I can put my finger as to where we left off in our babbling yeah. bullshit that we tend to do. Our babbling bullshit. That's probably could have been the name of the show. <laughs> babbling bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yes, but that's one of the many ways we achieve the cinema psyops here with our babbling bullshit. That's also very true. <laughs> and the psyops is basically we just want to whine about how we feel and have people validate us. Yeah, right? Shout into the void, but you people have to listen to us, please. <laughs> one of the places that you can find our voice shouting at the void for the 360th previous episodes is legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. We also are available in meme form where I post thrice daily during the working week for the working day during my working hours, but if I'm not working, I tend to, you know, just stop and be on vacation because, hey, everybody needs a break. That's cinema underscore psyops on Instagram. That is the main meme repository. Yeah, get all the memes. The memes will help. And also take breaks for yourselves and make sure that you're taking the vacation that you deserve. That's right. One of the places that you could hang out and vacation at is our Facebook group, although I don't recommend <laughs> that. Cinema Psyops. I, uh, it's going to be a weird vacation spot, but you know, whatever you guys got to do. <laughs> although it is definitely picking up and you weirdos have been finding some really cool memes and sharing them there and some really weird ones that make me uncomfortable. And you've also been making some with us on them that I don't understand. So I'm just going to take it all as a threat and start putting some of you on a watch list. Yeah, that's the only way to do this. Watch watch lists. There are so many now, I don't even think they have any meaning. <laughs> I know that all my watch lists on streamings have no meaning to me anymore. <laughs> We're all on a watch list. You're on a watch list for just fucking listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about all the watch lists that I'm on, you can check me out on Facebook as well. I'm there as Court Psyops. <laughs> I got nothing for feedback on that one, huh, man? I, I, got, I got nothing on that one. <laughs> well, speaking of feedback that I didn't get from Matt, if you'd like to give me some kind of <laughs> feedback, you can reach me at cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know how we're fucking up. <laughs> you can write it as a diatribe. You can write it as an encouragement of letters. You can send me a link to your latest film festival you would like me to promote. Yeah. That happens mm-hmm. sometimes. Does that happen? Yeah. You could also send me a link to your independent film that you need to raise money for and hope that I will promote it on the show. I will sometimes do that. I don't know. <laughs> I sometimes have done it, but I tend to not want to do it because I just, I'm not comfortable with that all the time. Yeah. Especially if I don't already know you. If I already know you or we've conversed before and I get a general sense that you're the type of person that I want to support, then that's cool. Because, you know, it's not about the work for me sometimes. It's about the people that I don't want to have my name associated with, even though it's not a good name. That's not a, that's not a a bad way to go about it. Right. You should always, you know, learn more about people before you uh, pitch your anchor to them. Otherwise, you end up having a demagogue running your world. (sighs) Thanks for bumming me out right at the end. Well, while you're out there hoping that it's the end because you're also bummed out, kick the fuck out of this shit and this week and make it your bit.
Yo, yo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so you heard that. Yeah. Yep. All right, I didn't get yeah. any music for this week, so go ahead and start recording on your side. I am. And one, two, three. It's all coming out of the snowball. We're good. All right, we're going to do a kind of stripped down show to kind of get this over with and get us both onto our days. So I'll skip the music and all that stuff, and it'll remove some of the longer parts of the show. Cool, cool. Uh, Let's see here. All right, you ready to roll your waveform looking good? Yeah, everything looks good. All right, let's fucking do this. Three. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I said word, word. (laughs) Three, two, one. Well, the reason I was doing it is because, spoiler alert, everybody, I wasn't enjoying the movies. You know, the second one, uh, even though, uh, uh, just to spoil it for everyone, I, I enjoyed white more than black, even though racist. Was, <laughs> God damn it. The, I enjoyed... Ed Clip. Yeah. God, no, you can't make that a clip, because fuck, not today's day and age. Somebody will find me and murder me. Um, yeah, save that shit for Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. See, I believe vaccines help people. Um, How is that a clip? That's just an out-of-context drop that people should believe. <laughs> You can tell it's just not a very happy marriage. Um, <laughs> like most of them. Well, Jesus. Except for ours. You know. What? And I you mean, and I? And when I married. say ours, I mean yours and mine. Yeah. Um, you missed the boat on that one, buddy. You totally did. You had your chance to marry me when it was still illegal, and you chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always be mine. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Whoa, possessive red flags. <laughs> yeah, right. Red flags. Hello. <laughs> what the damn hell? Hey, can I take a minute and grab something to drink? Yeah, go ahead. We'll just come back, and whenever you're ready, we'll three, two, one in. All right. All right. Sorry about that. I'm back. All right. Ready to rock when you are. All right. Three, two, one. Well, all right. I got to take a break before I got to hit the bathroom real quick, okay? All right. Not a problem. I got to do it. I'll do the same. All right. Potty break. I'm back. You're not. All right. I'm back. Cool, cool. Let's rock and roll. Three, two, one. there hoping that it's the end because you're also bummed out kick the fuck out of this shit and this week and make it your bitch that's <laughs> <laughs> well, good of a way to end it as i've heard <laughs> we have to end it one way or another which usually means you stopped your recording ah yes well then we are in luck because i just did <laughs> fuck it it's done it's done we're over with